Let's open our Bibles, Philippians chapter 1. We went from doing like a lot of my favorite verses to one of my favorite books. That's how I kind of ended up here because it had so many of my favorite verses. So let's just do the whole book because then I can cover all my favorite verses that I have in the book of Philippians. And there's a bunch of them. Last week we looked at, at uh, one of my all-time favorites there, uh, chapter 1, verse 6, where he says that, "...being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus." And again, this is a letter of joy. This is, many call it the epistle of joy. And so, you know, again, and, and that in my mind, the way to keep that, you know, in the right order, Jesus, others, yourself, kind of keep that in the right order and, and we keep ourselves in the right order. The question I asked last time, if you remember, was are we there yet? And what was the answer? Well, sort of, partially, right? Right, it's both, right? We are there. We're, we're saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. We're there. We're one of His. But we're not quite there yet. We're not quite there yet. We're not home yet. Later in the book, he talks about our citizenship being in heaven. We're going to be there. We're not there. But, but in one sense, we, we can rejoice in the fact that we are His. We belong to Him. We're changed, and we're being changed. So when we get frustrated, well, I'm not changed, I'm not different. Well, keep in mind that you have been changed, but you're also being changed. And it's a process that, that the Lord's working in you. It says He's doing a good work. He's doing a good work in you and in me, and He'll finish it. He won't stop. He won't quit until the day of Christ Jesus, when, when Jesus either returns for us or He takes us home to be with Him. And, and uh, does anybody remember what the primary... A good work is that he's doing in us? The number one good work that he's doing in us? To make us more like Jesus, that's right. Make us more like Jesus. And, and you know, if you look in the mirror, uh, I heard in the radio on the way here about a guy who, <clears throat> who uh, hadn't seen himself in the mirror for like 50 years. He was in prison for something or other. And uh, I don't remember the whole story, but uh, he... The first thing he asked for, um, this was on Ravi Zacharias's program, was um, was for a mirror, and he hadn't seen himself in like five and a half decades, fifty-five years, and so he looked in the mirror, and he, it says that he, it says that he just put his face in his hands and just began to sob uncontrollably because of what had happened to him and what he had lost in all those years. What's the point of that? I can't remember. <laughs> God's doing a good work in us, but if we focus on ourselves and we focus on what, who we are, you know, that's the wrong place. We need to focus on Him and let Him do the work, right? Jesus, others, and ourselves last. And, and He's faithful. He'll do it. It should give us hope. When we look in the mirror, that's what I was getting to. When we look in the mirror and we get discouraged, well, keep in mind that He's doing it. It's His work. You know, it's really about Him, and, and I've just been thinking a lot about this lately. It's really about Him, but, but yet we have to show up. So how could it be all about Him if I have to show up? But it is all about Him. So, but we still have to show up. See, those, those things that kind of dichotomies, the paradoxes of things that, that kind of work together. So we have hope that we're not there yet, and He's working on it. He's working on you. 
He's working on me, and we're not on our own. So the one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. So today, we'll look at the next section there, and the letter continues, and we see what we see in these verses 7, 11, 7 through 11 is, the, is Paul's heart and then Paul's prayer. And one of the things we saw in the first section that he said, I always pray with joy. And so part of that joy that we have is praying for other people rather than just praying for myself. I could pray for myself all day long. I need, I want, I have to have, I should be, I want this thing, I want that, I want that person to do this for me, and so on. We go on and on about me, me, me. But he says, I pray with joy. In verse 4, in all my prayers for all of you, I pray with joy. So there's something about that. Jesus, others, and then ourselves last. Now, Paul, the apostle, he's, a, he's incredible. You know, the stuff that he wrote, the stuff that he teaches in his letters is absolutely incredible. It's phenomenal, right? I mean, was he a theologian? Uh, he was, actually. But... Sometimes we think, you know, even Peter, you know, Peter says in his, one of his epistles, he says, you know, there's some stuff that Paul writes that it's even hard for me to understand. He was there. But Paul the Apostle was not just some teaching machine. This guy had feelings. This guy, you know, he had a heart. He loved these people. He had an intense love for them, as we'll see. Look at verse 7. He says, it is right for me to feel this way about all of you. Since I have you in my heart, for whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. Again, he was an apostle. He was a missionary, but also he had the heart of a pastor, I believe. He had a heart of a shepherd that he cared. He really, really cared about these people. See, and you read at the end of the book of Romans, he talks, he goes to this whole giant list of all these people that he, was, that he knew, that he was connected to. And, and it's really about people. And it, for him, it, it wasn't just a job. It was like he had a heart for these people. And, I, and I'm, you know, reading this and, and, and you know, it's, you know, John Corson, I, I, I read what John Corson wrote. He says, if we're honest, he says, about many people, uh, the thought we have is you're on my nerves, not you're on my heart like Paul. And, and you know, that's kind of true, isn't it? But we're going to see as we go through this kind of how did, how did that all come about. Paul could have said, you know, you're on my nerves. You're like, you're really bugging me. But he says, you're in my heart, and I pray with you with I pray uh, for you, and I pray with joy. Paul, Paul was, uh, you know, he was a human being. He had, he had a heart. He had feelings. He had joy. He had hurt. He had pain. He had trouble. He had, pe- he had trouble with people that were against him. He enjoyed the people that were with him. He had all, you know, when you read his letters, you find out all these things. He was very human. He was very real. He had concerns for so many things. Look at, I want you to turn back with me to first, uh, 2 Corinthians, back just a, a few books, 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Now, the Philippians, we, we know a little bit about them, and we, we studied in Acts 16 about them and the people that he, were, that he knew there, and, and obviously this is 10 years later, so he knew a lot more people there, but Lydia and the jailer and the servant girl and the, and the families of, of uh, some of these. But look in chapter 6 of 2 Corinthians where Paul's talking to 
<clears throat> the uh, Corinthians there, it's a little bit different picture. Look at verse 11. He says, We have spoken freely to you, Corinthians, and opened wide our hearts to you. We are not withholding our affection from you, but you are withholding yours from us. As a fair exchange, I speak as to my children. He says, open wide your hearts also. Isn't that kind of interesting? He says, you know what? I'm here. I'm, I'm, I'm opening my heart, my life to you totally and completely. You know, we, we, we need to go back and forth here. It's a two-way street, isn't it? Look down in chapter 7 of that same book in verse 2. He says, make room for us in your hearts. We have wronged no one. We have corrupted no one. We have exploited no one. He says, I do not say this to condemn you. I have said before you that you have such a place in our hearts that we would live or die with you. I have great confidence in you. I take great pride in you. I'm I'm greatly encouraged in all our troubles. My joy knows no bound. You see... You see what's going on here? He, he, he just wants to have this relationship with them. And it's not just about doctrine. It's about a, a, a relationship. And it's about the realities of life and sharing life together. And that's what Paul was talking about there. And, and uh, I think, I believe, you know, that that's what God calls the body, the church, to, to minister to one another, to care for one another through all the things of life. Now, I think it's the, through the relationships that we build with one another. It's not just uh, me and every one of you. It's, it's each of us together, you see. And we build these relationships, and, and, and God uses them to bring about His work in our lives. And that's when we can say, you know what? I pray for you, and I love you, and my heart is open to you, and, and you're in my heart, and, and hopefully you know, I'm in your heart kind of thing, that relationship we have. Let's go back to Philippians. He said, it's right for me to feel this way. About all of you, he says, since I have you in my heart, for whether I'm in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. It doesn't matter my circumstances. We still have a relationship. No matter if I'm in prison or if I'm you know, defending the gospel, and that word there is the word uh, where we get our word for apologetics, in defense of the faith or confirming the gospel, he speaks about by the truth of our lives. He says, we are partakers. You share in God's grace with me. We're in the same thing together. He said that back in verse 5 as well, the partnership in the gospel. The partnership in the gospel. I was thinking about that in terms of, you know, how does that apply to us here today? You know, we are in this together. We are in this thing together, you and me. It's not just me doing some kind of ministry. It's all of us together. We're in this thing together. And what I do, you're a part of it. When I go out and do something for somebody and, or do a funeral or, or a, a wedding or if I go and do this thing or that thing and ministering with kids over at the, at the, at the school, you know, you're a part of that. You're a part of what I do. But in the same way, when you're speaking to the people that you work with or you have some kind of ministry that you're functioning in, I'm a part of that too. We're, we're in this thing together, you see. That's exciting to me because that makes us like an army. That makes us like a team. That makes us like, hey, we're, you know, we're, not, a big, we're not a big group, but we, we can do some things together and we're on the same team and we're, we're working together to, to do what God wants us to do. 
And so when I hear about something that's going on in your life, you know, I want to get behind it. I want to be, you know, encourage you in, in what you're doing. And what you do, I'm a part of it. And what I do, you're a part of it. Look around for a second, will you? Just look around at some of these people around here. Do you see these people? See, I, I have a, an advantage. I look out and see, and I see, you know, I, I, know, I know most of you. You know, I'm getting to know some of you a little bit better as time goes on. It takes time, right, to get to know people. But we're in this thing. What is this thing? I don't know. It's life. It's, a, it's life. It's, it's that thing, that good work that God is, is carrying on to completion. And, and God's using you in my life. And I hope God is using me in your life. I hope. That's the way it's supposed to be. You see, does that make it easy? No, sometimes it hurts. Sometimes it's hard. And, and, and when God's working on us, that file comes out. And, and you know, when you, when you get that file going down, uh, and we all have those, uh, those spots, you know. I, 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 um, I have this other guitar that I've had since I was like 20. And the thing is, you know, it had some issues, right? And so I, I talked to the guy at the store, and I said, uh, I want to try to make this better. And he says, well, you can try. And I said, well, i got nothing to lose, right? And so I, I, was, I, I took the thing apart, right? And, and the neck comes off the body, and it was like glued in there. And so you had to like heat up the glue and pull this thing out. And I didn't have it all unglued. And so when I pried it apart, like it broke apart, right? And so then I, and then I have to glue these things back together, and then I'm going to get the file. Once it's all dry, I'm going to get the file, and I'm going to make it all smooth again. And then that thing can go back together and I can adjust it the way it needs to be, hopefully. It may be all for naught because I really don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> but what have I got to lose, right? It's not worth any money. It's sentimental more than anything. But when I get that file out, you know, it's, it's, uh, it, it's, what, it's what it's got to use to make it fit together, to make it be smooth again, to make this thing kind of the way it's supposed to be so that the music can come out again. Because right now you can't, I mean, there's nothing you can do with it, right? It's in pieces. But the Holy Spirit wants to put us together, and, and some of you maybe are you're in pieces. I know, I know, do you go like that, go like that up and down? Like sometimes you're just in pieces, and other times you feel like you got it all together, you're all together. Maybe not you feel like you got it all. That's more like a pride thing, but you're just, you feel more together. And then other times in your life, you feel like you're just like a, a total mess and you're like in a hundred pieces. And how can anything good ever come out of this? You know, that's why, that's why we sang that song, you know, you make all things beautiful. You make beautiful things out of the dust. You make beautiful things out of us. You make all things new. You are making me new. He's putting us together and they got that glue that Holy Spirit kind of glue where he's got to put us together and then, and then he's got to file it down because you know, there's like glue all over the place and stuff sticking out and getting us ready for that. He's doing a work. He's doing a work in us. I, and that's the kind of the theme that I've been seeing even in these, next, in these verses we're looking at today that, that God was doing a work in Paul, the, Paul the Apostle. And, and if he had to do a work in him, well, he certainly has to do a work in me and in you, right? Does that make sense? Look at verse 8. He says, God can testify how I long for you all, for all of you, with the affection of Christ Jesus. He says, God can testify how I long for you. It, this is real. 
God can testify. I do long for you. I have it, this uh, longing, this caring. You're in my heart. I, I, you mean so much to me. And, but look what he says. Where did he get it from? In the last part of that verse, he says what? He says, with what? With the affection of Christ Jesus. I long for you with the affection or with the, 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 from the deepest parts, the inward parts, even some of the old versions uh, say the bowels. That, and, that, and that day, the language was the very deepest part of me. So he says with the, the deepest part of Jesus Christ, that was what's coming out of me. That's where it comes from, you see. Where did he get it from? He got it from Jesus. He got it from Jesus. And you got you to know that Paul was changed radically. God put something in him that he did not have before. Number one, he hated Christians, right? Number two, he hated Gentiles, right? And now who are these people? In Philippi, they're Gentile Christians. And he loves them and he longs for them. He has this incredible heart. Did he just say, I'm going to love you now? No. God put this in him and, and uh, by being, you know, part of... Uh, you know, Jesus being a part of his life and Jesus being inside of him. Again, we, we said this work that he was doing to be made more like Jesus, to live like Jesus, but also to love like Jesus. To live like Jesus and to love like Jesus. And again, you look in the mirror and say, well, I don't look nothing like Jesus and I don't live nothing like Jesus, but, but does that mean that, you, that, that God isn't bringing you to that place? Have a little, have a little hope that he's doing something. He's going he's gonna to do it. He's going to do it. You can't do it. Well, I'm going to be Jesus today. Those are the people you see over in the mental places. And I've been there when, when you know, people say, you know, I feel so bad for them, but, you know, they say, I'm Jesus. Well, no, you're not Jesus. But, but, but the Holy Spirit is making us to be more like Jesus, to live more like Him and to love like Him. The love of Christ through us Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, he said, Christ's love compels us, or the love of Christ constrains us. It, it propels us forward. How did Paul get there? Did he take the... Uh, I love those self book, self-help books. The Christians have them too, you know. The 10 Steps to Becoming a More Christ-like Christian, Right? If you do the 10 steps, you know, the problem with me, I, I, I read step one, I go, oh, yeah, that's cool, okay, I'm going to do that. Then I read step two, oh, yeah, that's cool, I'm going to do that. Then I, then I lose interest and I, don't, I never get to the other eight steps. And I, the, you know, or I read them all and then I forget them the next day. How did he get there? It really, it gets back to this thing of prayer, doesn't it? That, that's how he got there, by praying for them, by praying for people. Praying for people. There's something so powerful in that. And, and, you know, it's not like it's, this is an old uh, concept. This is a, this is a new concept, uh, you know, that is, yes, it's old. It's been, you know, from the beginning of time about prayer to the Almighty God. But, but it is fresh and new today that you and I can pray for people. Let me read to you what John Corson said, uh, the pastor from uh, Applegate Christian Fellowship in Oregon he said, what gave Paul this kind of love? What caused him to write this epistle rather than pout about his own situation? And remember, he was in, locked up in change. He says, I believe it was because Paul utilized his prison time to pray. He cared about the Philippians because he prayed for them. 
And then he says this, I like this, who's on your nerves? Who's robbing you of joy? Maybe it's your boss or your husband or your wife, I'll add, or coach. I didn't mean anything by that. I just wanted the husbands to get a fair representation here, right? Or a coach or a teacher or a colleague colleague or a neighbor. He says, pray for them, for as you do, a couple of things will happen. First, because God answers prayer, they'll change. And second, and much more importantly, you'll begin to change. Pray for the people who bug you. Pray God's blessings upon them. Pray for God's work to be flowing through them. Pray for good things to happen to them. You cannot be angry or bitter towards someone for whom you're praying. Prayer is powerful. It changes them, but it also changes us. So don't just pray for the people you like. John is saying here, John Corson, pray for the people who you don't like, the, pay, the people who bug you, the, you know, the boss that, that uh, won't give you the raise. The neighbor who dog won't stop barking. So many things in this life we can get, we can get you know, our joy just sucked out of us because we're focusing on all these things. And Paul says, I pray for them. I pray for you. And you know what? I love you. And, and my heart is right with you. And, and what can I do for you? And how can I be a part of your life? This leads us into what he prayed in verses 9 through 11. He said, this is my prayer. Now, we saw him praying and singing in Acts 16, right? This is 10 years later. He's still praying and singing, I think. Definitely praying. And I think at the end of, of verse 11, it kind of turns into a song, really. And he's still praying and he's singing. You know, it's this process, but yet it's, 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 it's constant. It's a constant in his life, prayer and, and song. It's one of those, you know, the basics of the Christian life, that we pray, that we stay in God's word, we worship, you know, we fellowship. Just those things that never change. You know what? When you begin to throw those things aside, you're going to find yourself all alone wondering, what, where am I? What, what's going on here? But look at his prayer in verse 9. He says, this is my prayer. And sometimes we get to see what people pray because he wrote it down for us. He says, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the, to the glory and praise of God. The first thing he prays about there is that their love may abound more and more. That's incredible. The word there actually means in the Strong's Concordance, thank you, in the, in the Strong's Concordance, he talks about this word in it. The word abound more and more, it means to superabound in quality and quantity. To superabound. It was this, one of these giant expanding words that your love may superabound in quantity and quality. Now, we can't get away from this whole concept of love because Jesus said, he talked about it over and over. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments, my commandments that you would love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and spirit, that you would love one another as yourself. You know, this love thing, we cannot get away from it. 
And he says here that your love may abound, may, may, may superabound, and that's, it's part of the growth that makes us what? More like Jesus. Again, this is all connected here. Paul didn't just say, well, you know, I'm going to put this together so you can do a sermon on verse, you know, 1 through 5, and then you can do a sermon on that. No, this is a letter. He's just writing it all, flowing all together. And in Paul's mind, he's seeing them growing. He's thinking about it. I'm not reading his mind. I'm just I'm telling you what I see as I, as I read this. That, that it's all flowing together, that, that part of the growth that they have, the good work, is that, that love is growing in them. That's part of the growth, that their love would abound more and more in quantity and quality. We need to grow. We need to grow. We need to be more like Jesus. Are you there? Are you there yet? In the love thing? I'm there. I love everybody. Till you get on the highway. You're in the supermarket and someone grabs that last thing that you wanted to your team. Oh, <laughs> I was thinking when Chris was talking too, you know, this worship thing. You know, it's really true. Because if you could see in people's homes, like what's going on during that, or at the game, when you see it, look at, when you see it, Look out. Look at the people. They're in all different positions. They're raising their hands. They're shouting. Uh, at the home, they're down on the floor. They're on their faces because, you know, their team didn't get that play. You know, they're up. They're down. They're everywhere. It's like worship of all different. What? See, I'm lost again. <laughs> It's unbelievable. We need to grow because we're not there yet. Someone said this, real love requires growth and maturation. We need to mature. Someone else said, nothing short of spiritual growth satisfies St. Paul. Nothing short of spiritual growth satisfies St. Paul. Man, we, it's part of our lives that we're going to grow. And uh, someone else says, says this, the fire in the apostle never says enough. The fire in the apostle never says enough. When, when you can just say, you know, I've, I've grown enough, I've got there, I kind of love people, I'm, I'm kind of good with that, I'm kind of good with this, and I'm just going to uh, you know, cruise, I'm going to coast for a while. That guy on Song Time, on John DeBrine, he says, if, if you, he says something like this, and I couldn't remember exactly, I think it's... It, Grow in grace or, you're, or, or you'll groan in disgrace. Is that how it goes? So it's the idea of growing or groaning. Sometimes we groan when we grow, but sometimes we groan because we're not growing. And, and you know what? Again, I, I don't want to make you think like, well, I have to do this now. No, it's with the work that God's doing in us. But we've got to still show up. We've got to still cooperate. And if he's trying to get us to see something, if he's trying to make us more of a loving person, this is what Paul said. His first thing that he saw in their lives was that they needed to have more love. They needed to like super abound in quantity and quality. Do you want to be known as a, per a loving person? Man, I don't know about that person. They just, man, they just love people. 
He just loves people. And, and, and we all have kind of like reputations and, you know, uh, you know, some of us like, that guy doesn't love anybody. <laughs> or that, or that, that girl, she just loves people. It's just, it's just I feel it when I'm even with her. But God's called every one of us to love, to be people of love. They shall know you're Christians by your love that you have for one another. And so, so we're not there yet, and we, we need to grow. And, 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 and so we don't make it happen, but we can pray. And for people that we don't love, we can pray for them, and, and God's love begin to like come out in us and through us. And we can surrender to God and say, God, I, I don't love anybody right now, and unless you kind of love through me, I'm not going to, I just, I don't have any chance. I don't have a hope. I don't have a prayer. Grow in love. Let's look in uh, 1 Thessalonians. Uh, turn ahead a few books. Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and 1 Thessalonians. Because he says it three times in this letter to the Thessalonians. Chapter 3, verse 12. Now notice, notice the language here, please. May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else, just as ours does for you. May He strengthen your hearts. So who's going to make the love, the love grow and increase and overflow and superabound? May the Lord do that in us. How about chapter 4, verse 10? 1 Thessalonians 4, 10. And in fact, you do love all the brothers throughout Macedonia, yet we urge you, brothers, to do so more and more. Love them more and more. And then in Second uh, Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 3, he said, We ought always to thank God for you, brothers, and rightly so. Who are we going to thank? God. Because your faith is growing more and more and the love every one of you has for each other is increasing. Faith is growing. Your love is increasing. And we thank God for that. That could be a prayer for us here that just make us, God, make us a people of love. Make us a people that love each other. That, you know, love covers over a multitude of sins. And people, we do things against each other. We hurt each other in different ways. But let's forgive and love. That's what he wants us to do. That's what, that's what the body is supposed to be like. That's what we're supposed to be like here with each other. Back to Philippians, though, he kind of gives us a little more definition in, in this love. He says that this love would abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. You see, it's not just kind of a, a sentimental love, is it? It's not just a feeling kind of thing, well, I love you so much and all that, but he, he says with, in knowledge and depth of insight that it's broad and it's deep and it's real. And again, uh, the human uh, capacity just doesn't have all those things. We love because someone maybe uh, makes us feel good or, or does things for us, so I love you, man. But, but this love is, you know, in spiritual knowledge and and. Depth of insight. And then in verse 10, uh, so that you may discern what is best. This discernment that comes out of it. Again, and not just some sort of sentimental feeling love, but, but this, this, in this love, and again, uh, 
it, it's, it's kind of more comprehensive in that it, 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 it's got all these facets to it. Yes, there is a feeling. We see it. We see it in Paul's prayer. I feel this way about you. I have you in my heart. He, and he felt it very intensely and very, in a very real way. But it also had, it had knowledge and understanding and it had depth and it had discernment. Just because you love people doesn't mean that, that you don't have any discernment about what's going on and, and that they're just going to do whatever they want to do. Sometimes love needs to understand and, and speak to certain things, right? Knowledge, depth of insight, discernment. He says there you'll be able to discern what is best. I like that. Discern what is best. Not just what is good, but to discern what is best as opposed to good, perhaps. And maybe pure and blameless until the day of Christ. This growth, this maturity, he's talking about love, he's talking about um, purity, he's talking about uh, growing and maturing until the day of Christ Jesus, that these things are taking place in our lives. Again, I see it here as that, that this theme of that God's doing a good work in us till the day of Christ Jesus includes these things. He's kind of given us some explanation of what that means. You guys want to go with him? Are you guys ready to go? I mean, you're on, are you on the team? Do you want to be a part of this thing that, that, that Jesus is doing in us and working out in us? I mean, look at, looking at some of those things there, we know, man, I'm not there. I don't, I don't have much depth of insight. I don't have much knowledge. I don't have a lot of, of knowing and discernment and, and the purity and being blameless. But we have to go back to verse 6, that he who began a good work, I'm confident of this, that he will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Same words used there, until the day of Christ, until the day of Christ Jesus. He's doing a good work in you. And these are the some of the things that he's going to do. And then finally, verse 11, he says, being filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes, how? Through Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God being filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. It comes through Him. And, and that's why Jesus said, you know, apart from me, you can do nothing. And in that chapter, He's talking about, right, the, the, uh, the vine, right? The branches and the vine. I am the vine, He said. You are the branches. If you abide in me, you'll bear much fruit. If you think you can do, you know, the branch laying there by itself, you're going to have fruit. It's not going to happen. But as you abide in me, as you live your life in me, He says that the fruit will come. I want to just look at, at uh, a couple of uh, uh, passages before we close. Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. And this is the, the fruit of the Spirit. Verse 22, Galatians 5.22, that's back two books. He says, but the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. These are the fruit of the Spirit. Again, 
keep in mind that over and over it just comes so clearly through the texts here that it comes from God's work in us. The fruit of the Spirit. It's not the, the fruit of my own initiatives. That's what he said back there. That comes the fruit of righteousness. It comes through Jesus Christ to the praise and glory of God because He did it, because He's doing it. And then, and then one other passage that, uh, that you know we kind of had to turn there, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the love passage, because we say, well, I know that. I know that passage. I've read that a million times. Yeah, but do you know that passage? And is that something that's a part of you? Just, just looking at the first one, I'm going, no, okay. God, what do you want to do? That love that you want to do in me. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. We sing that song, Your Love Never Fails. And, and see, that's the love that never fails, but that's the love that, that, that He wants to work in us and through us to the glory and praise of God. We're, you know, as we're filled with His Spirit, as we're being changed by His love, then the fruit will come. You can't, you know, you can't make fruit. Not the kind of fruit we're talking about here. But God can and God will. It's His work in you and me. And then, in the end, we can say all the glory and the praise goes to Him because He did it. I didn't do it. I couldn't do it. What did you have before Jesus entered your life? What did you have? So Paul prayed with joy that they would grow that they would grow, that they would grow in love, in knowledge, in depth of insight, discernment, in purity, and in fruit, the fruit of the Spirit, and, and this love that is spoken about here in 1 Corinthians 13, that all the glory and that all the praise would go to Him. Are we in this thing? Are we in this thing to the end? Yes. Till the day of Christ Jesus? That's what He's talking about here. I'm not trying to, to you know... Uh, rally the team or anything, but that's kind of what we need to do sometimes, say, we're going to go. We're going to go no matter what, whether the prison or whatever this happens or that happens, we got to go. we got to go all the way to the end, to the end zone, till, till the day of Christ Jesus. That's when we celebrate. Till then, sorry. Let's pray together, shall we?